0: Hi, this is Andy Ferber
1: and Nikki Velicities, and welcome back to Nothing New, a Taylor Swift podcast. Hello, listeners, welcome back to Nothing New. Welcome
0: back, everybody. This is the long awaited folklore episode which we know we have been teasing for quite a while but we're very (laughs) excited
1: to finally be talking folklore i am so stoked i'm like it almost feels like impossible to accurately cover i don't know if you feel this too andy but i think one we were also just like under the weather emotionally and physically (laughs) like andy and i've had a rough go the last few weeks we really have (laughs) we really have but truthfully also part of me is like I'm just never going to be able to like put into words how much this album means to me and like how, like, we're not going to, there's just no way we can accurately cover every lyric that hits. It's so good.
0: I feel the same way. I'm like, I felt so exhausted after our Midnights and Evermore Deep Dive, like after we recorded those. And so I just, I know personally for me that folklore is going to be even more exhausting because there is so much to cover. And spoiler mm-hmm. alert, Nikki said in her first the first episode that this is her favorite album uh, of Taylor's, and it's not my, like, number one, but I would say this one is really high up there, and it's one that I think, I think it's the one that is, like, the most directly tied to a specific period of my life, and I also, like, it's one of the ones I listen to the most, because anytime I'm, like, rainy day, chill, uh, introspective, like going through hard times any of those kind of vibes immediately i put on folklore and so it's one mm-hmm. that i have such deep emotional ties to and yeah spoiler alert we both freaking love this album we are diving in we're both in our beds fully horizontal as we record this mm-hmm. so we love this for us and i feel ready to take on the beast what about you nikki
1: i'm ready to rock girl i'm <laughs> ready to freaking go i'm let's so excited let's oh my just God. let's
0: get right into it because folklore is is everything and i just have it's so much everything. to say so let's just get right oh to it
1: God. well for first of all let's just take it on back now to summer of 2020 we're all quarantined oh we're feeling hopeless we're feeling sad we're feeling lonely like we're fresh into the pandemic. We're not even that far in. And like three
0: and a half months in,
1: really not that yeah, far. Really not that far in at all. And I remember like sitting in my bedroom where I was for like a bulk of the my childhood bedroom, sitting in my bedroom, chilling, and I get a notification from Taylor Swift. And I'm like, what? And it's just a, it was the fuck it was it was the grid, right? Was it the grid of her? It was the grid of the album cover and for listeners like on Instagram, I mean, no, we have, you know, some listeners who might not be Instagram, you know, up on the grid. Um, but she posted like a series of photos that together when you look at like as an individual photo, it's just a chunk of the picture and you like go to her profile and you see the whole entire cover art and it it's beautiful photo. It's black and white on film of her just standing in like looking up at these trees in this beautiful looking forest and she's in like this long dress and like she just Pokes. looks she's got kind of a wavy hair going on you can kind of see she looks tiny between the trees she is lost in the forest and surprise she's like dropping an album tonight midnight folklore can't wait so i think it's also important that we take our listeners
0: back and emphasize that at this point we had not had any surprise drops from taylor like at that point she was very traditional in her album rollouts she had a single we knew exactly when it was coming we knew exactly when the album was coming out and everything was pretty like standardized by her label whereas it it was not even a possibility that taylor could drop an instagram post and be like album in 16 hours that was so insane and Mm -hmm. like now we're sort of used to it with evermore coming out of the blue we had like the Midnight's 3am tracks we had um we've had you know versions of that or like the long pond sessions. like surprises are now kind of taylor's bread and butter but before Mm -hmm. it was just like what is even happening we were thick in the lover era like i think the lover fest had just gotten canceled so we were like oh god when are we ever going to get new music from her and we were still in that phase where we were like the pandemic might be over soon it was still feeling hopeful and i remember where i was too i was walking to um to work and i was working at a socially distant summer camp very 2020 of me but um was walking to work and it was like 7:30 in the morning and nobody else around me cared about taylor swift and i was freaking out by myself waiting for the kids to show up and i was like oh my god i can't believe this is happening and I just, I want to emphasize how much of a
1: surprise and how much of a departure from Taylor's typical style it was. Oh yeah. I mean, even with like, this was very much like you were getting a full 16 song album in a matter of hours. Yeah. Like, (laughs) which was just like, and and it was also like, what is it? What's the vibe? What's the, it it
0: was also like coming off the heels of 1989 reputation and lover it was just such a it looked based on the cover art like such a departure from what she had been doing like you know she was in her glitter pop era and Mm -hmm. this album cover was so melancholy it was black and white she was in a plaid coat it was just like oh my gosh what is happening like not in the same way as reputation but in a way that was like clearly a new era
1: yeah oh yeah and like honestly from the cover
0: yeah so we were really
1: excited
0: and this was like maybe i think it was less than a year since nikki and i had become friends because we were freshly home from the pandemic after our time in france together and so we were somewhat new friends and this was the first taylor release we had weathered together um so true yeah because lover had just come out when we met when we became friends we like Mm -hmm. had we had drinks and we were going through lover like track by track and breaking it down Um, but this was our first Taylor release that we had weathered together. And now we like always live text each other anytime, anything exciting happens with Taylor. But I remember waking up and listening to it first thing in the morning. And I think you had listened to it at midnight because you were on the West coast and it was 9 PM. And I had to be at work at like 7 15 East coast time. And I was like, I can't, I can't wake up or like stay up until 2 AM and then go to go and teach children the whole next day. But I was texting you on my live or my walk to work, like live texting you all of my reactions. And I remember to, we we could just dive right into it. But I remember too being so shook by, um, her dropping an f bomb and mad woman. And like, I remember texting you specifically, and being like, oh, Taylor dropped an f bomb because it was the first time she had ever done that in music. <laughs> which was crazy and i was like is I'm betty a bi anthem also before we knew about the love triangle i was like betty is the bi anthem that apparently oh we've yeah been waiting for and I, I we should go back and try to find our texts if we have them because i, I know, say, we know we live text each other that'd be so funny
1: if we could do that I it's mean.
0: been three and a half years so i feel like my iCloud does not keep that old of
1: texts wait i just searched folklore it's all it's like all <gasps> it's you and oh, i Found. I, i'm here i'm here all right At July 23rd, 2020 at 9.30 AM, Andy texts me in all caps, new T-slift album at midnight. I am losing my mind. (laughs) I text Andy back, oh my God, I'm freaking out. Andy, she goes, Nikki, I'm freaking the fuck out. I say, we must have a full listen through and then FaceTime. I can't. Keep in mind, listeners, I'll screenshot this, but we are both texting each other in all caps. caps, We never break this whole time um we're just saying I'm so excited yes yes this is what I needed right now same so stoked Andy in all caps I'm having a shit week and I think she sensed it how could she (laughs) do this to us a drop in in the surprise album
0: I remember that too I was having a horrible week I was like in a long distance relationship during COVID and I was just like and there was like borders getting in the way it was a whole thing and there was it was just felt so hopeless and I was like Oh my god this is the worst week ever and then i woke up and taylor swift had dro- dropped an album and i was like she knows she knows i needed her because i always say that there are some days that i need taylor more than others
1: and mm, true That's she so knew true. she knew i needed them oh my god andy this is one of the last ones i'll read is i go yeah deaf not emotionally ready man oh man i usually prep my emo girl nostalgia for like months before her release <laughs> We now only we have 16 hours, of hours to get our yeah. shit together. <laughs> so
0: it was, it was crunch time to get ready for it. Um, but listeners, we are going to offline. We're, we'll go back into all of our old texts and we'll find the best ones and post them on our Instagram. But um, to keep walking us further into the folklore forest, this album is also really different because it was her first collaboration with Aaron Dessner, who we have talked mm-hmm. about quite a bit on the pod. But he is the producer and a member of The National. And she, Taylor, is a very big fan of The National. And so in this album cycle, she reached out to Aaron like during quarantine and was like, hey, are you interested in doing any work right now? Are you feeling creative? And um, thus Folklore was born. So this is sort of like a beautiful triangle with Jack Antonoff, Taylor Swift, and Aaron Dessner. And I, we talked about this a lot in the Evermore Deep Dive, but that album leans a lot more desner like jack antonoff's only on two songs in that album whereas this one he has his foot in a lot more of the songs and i think this one is very indicative of a little more jack antonoff than evermore and it's a really lovely
1: balance between all three of them i think i would agree 100 percent. you can really tell there's multiple like it's still a very cohesive album sonically but it also you can see where both jack and aaron had their hands kind of in production and totally also in like lyrically speaking too i think
0: mm-hmm. um but
1: yeah this is the first time we get the Destner collab which without one of them like this album's not happening like even totally. our queen taylor would not have been able to do this without all of Destner's tracks
0: no or jack hansen either i, I mean think... yeah jack, jack too for sure yeah with folklore i mean she had been working with jack antonoff for multiple albums now i think the first time mm-hmm. was 1989 but i don't think that she would have been able to at that point in her career i mean she could do anything but i think the Destner style was so new to her at that point i think she needed that bridge of like jack antonoff at that point to make it all work together with what she'd been doing whereas like by evermore she was more like she had grown from working with aaron Destner and was able to like do that without as much support from Jack Antonoff, if that makes sense. Not saying that she can't do it without Jack Antonoff, but I think he was a nice bridge to get her more more used to, like, Dessner's style, you know? Wow. I, am I
1: so grateful for our King Aaron Dessner, though? Yeah, we love him.
0: I would argue that I think throughout her career, he is her collaborator that has pushed her the most. Like, I think she has grown so much from working with him, and I think she's become a lot taking taking a lot more risks as a musician i think she has transformed the most through like partnership with aaron destiner versus her other
1: collaborators if that makes sense he gave her i think stuff that like yeah she couldn't have done on her own like the way this time signatures too of some of these songs like i don't think taylor would have come up with these on her own not that she's not very musically inclined but like some of these are so I don't know it's i don't even know how you would write to it in the first place how you how you would come up with the original track and like melody or just you know the baseline like even in a song like piece where it's literally just like a baseline a bass riff like that is (laughs) insane that she also just wrote melodies to these tracks this is also the first time that taylor like while
0: introducing an album talked about it being fictional because like obviously one of the things that we love so much about Taylor's work is that it's autobiographical and I feel like it is it all feels so true whereas this is the first time literally in the letter she released when she told us that folklore was coming she was like this is this is folklore like I am creating characters and I've been watching movies I've been reading books and like during this time I've been so focused on characters and not necessarily like what's been going on in my own life and this is the first time i have ventured out of like autobiographical writing and i'm a little skeptical in like how much that is true like some of it is true obviously like i think um like for example i mean we'll talk about the last great american dynasty because you know how i feel about that song but that one is like partially about her but it's also about rebecca harkness who owns who owned her rhode island house before her that's also partly about a character. But I also think like she claims illicit affairs isn't about her, but like, could that be about Tom Hiddleston? I don't know. I think think it's more autobiographical than she lets on, but it is the first time she's been open about creating characters that she writes songs for.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that's also part of what makes this album so special and unique is that one of the cornerstones of Taylor Swift fandom is once an album comes out, yes you're listening just for like the vibe and sonically what it is but you are you are reading the lyrics you are looking at yes listening carefully for name drops for specific references to clothing or whatever or hair or whatever it might be that might poetry insight to whatever person she's dating or what like event she was at or you know where she was at in the world for example I bet you it gave her some type of creative freedom that she hasn't felt before. Where once she realized she could include like fictional characters, she was like, "Well, let's have at it. Let's include. Let's let's be more exact about some things that have happened in my life." But I'll, you know, the second verse will kind of guide the guide the reader away, or for example, or whatever it is. But totally, yeah, I think that's part of what makes this album so strong. Oh, and I can't wait to keep digging into it. Oh, oh my god,
0: same. So. Same. And two other things I want to to call out is also that this was the, uh, at the time when it was released, it had the biggest opening day on Spotify for a female act, which was huge. Like the numbers on this were huge and the mm-hmm. content drought we were in was so real, like nobody was releasing new stuff. So just to have like new music, something new to listen to or watch or read or whatever was so exciting that it just like blew up the internet. Mm-hmm. And it is also Taylor's first album to carry an explicit label.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's cool. it is. Long-awaited. Long-awaited.
0: No shits. And <laughs> I think that's a perfect segue to go into our first category, which is the album opener, which is the one. And Nikki, as you know, it opens with the iconic line, I'm doing good, I'm on some new shits, been saying yes instead of no, which, mm-hmm. how apt because she is on some new shit
1: with this album. She so is. And it's what's so interesting too, is like, uh, now we've obviously had this album for forever, but I remember hearing that those first opening lines and not that the one doesn't fit on folklore, but honestly, <gasps> like it, it, well no no this is not a bad thing I'm just I love oh my god
0: if this is this is not a visual medium so you all can't see me but I gasped when Nikki even (laughs) even even (laughs) I'm gasping
1: because you're even implying that the one does not fit on folklore which it does no it does but I think there's objectively a sonic like dissonance between that song and some of the other songs like also lyrically like there's a my only I, I have to be a critic i cannot be full like <laughs> not look at this and try to you know be honest about where this whole album stands musically it's my favorite that's one of my favorite albums of all time so i can i can but the one there's the one and in cardigan which i think i've mentioned before there's there's lyrics that for me don't match the like collective feel of the album like i'm doing good i'm on some new shit it doesn't really like like doesn't set the tone, I guess, for folklore as much as like Cardigan itself would, like how the intro, I'm just thinking like the first bars. You're, you're
0: saying that you would have rather had Cardigan be the
1: album opener. No, I still love, I get what she did with the lyrics. I think that was clever. I think if she had Very that song, clever. pop it in number one slot. Definitely a great album opener, but just sonically speaking, it doesn't give us great insight as to what's to come. If that Interesting. makes sense. That's my take. But it's not even that's not even like saying it's a bad, you know. I still think it's the best number one slot, but I don't think it gives us the full picture. So that's why when track two comes on, I'm like, okay, this is where we're going. Like I get it that it feels like she skirted the surf, which maybe was intentional, like skirt the surface and then start getting deeper into the the woods. So maybe that was very intentional, you know? Like it's a transition song from lover
0: yeah i personally i'm biased because i i love the one and i think it i can't think of anything else that could have opened the album better just
1: fun fact andy you, in our text thread you after listening your first listen you said the one was your favorite
0: i did I you did oh you my said god was your favorite. i mean that's not mm-hmm. surprising to me at all like i think it has it has stayed in my top five but i i, I won't tell the listeners what like upon five listens what became my favorite which has remained my favorite over over the over the three years that it's been since this album but i mean that's not surprising to me at all based on like what i like from taylor swift the one feels very on tone but i also i think this one i is more it leans more autobiographical than the rest of the album like i definitely think this is about somebody i don't know who like i always kind of pictured harry styles but like I also feel like their relationship might have been a little bit too unserious for this to be about him, but I'm not really <laughs> su- I'm not really sure who it's about. But like, I do think this one is probably somewhat autobiographical, and like, maybe not about one specific person, but just sort of about her exes in general. Like, would have been fun, but I literally listened to this and i immediately was like oh my
1: god did she and joe break up oh that's a good thing yeah you that's what part of your text that was too it's like oh my god there's so many sad songs did they break up did they break I up?" i was
0: very <laughs> worried my mom and sister and I were discussing whether folklore was a breakup album because it just felt there was a lot of sad stuff but like like she said a lot of it was taken from it's she was taking inspiration from other people and characters and you know other points mm-hmm. in her life mm-hmm. so i think definitely obviously not but, yeah, I was I was a little worried after I heard the one. I was like, oh, no, is this her breakup era? And she's going to write a sad girl album about breaking up in quarantine.
1: Little did you know you'd have to wait a few years before the split.
0: <laughs> I did, yeah. But I love Joe. We were literally just talking about this yesterday, but yeah. I love Joe. Um, But, yeah, so I okay. think the one is the perfect choice, like, thinking through the rest of the album. I don't love Cardigan as, like, the single. Ugh, I mean... I would I think it's a great lead single. I think it's do you I think it's perfect. I mean yeah. we talked about this in the lead single episode and I, I we don't did. remember I don't remember what I said is like I, I, my brain is so slow right now. Anyways that was that's my choice i love the one as the as the opener i think saying yes instead of no and being on some new shit is so true and i just think it's really clever so i love it
1: so clever also having it be the first track the one number one track called the one like that's also like clearly good smart placement as well so
0: also nikki did you know that when she said i thought i saw you at the bus stop i
1: didn't though she's talking about the bus stop cafe in the west village i see i didn't know that like first like probably for like a year honestly or you know a series of months after the album and then i think i was on a classic twitter and or i was reading some type of article about folklore and like the lyrics or whatever and i found that out and i was like what have you been there (laughs) i haven't i would love to go
0: love to let's go but anyways moving into um the standout songs my favorite category oh this is so hard i know but we're going to choose three standout songs and i would like you to go first what yeah like or for, if you want me to go okay. first because i have a very i my number one choice is your very three easy you're like clear oh, i know clear. i
1: feel like i know what your number one choice is <laughs> gonna be like
0: my hands down. my three on folklore are like so definitely my my three like they have been the ones for years now that have just like stuck with me the most from this album so I have a very clear
1: choice so would you like me to go, go ahead. first yeah I know what it's gonna be. Let's, let's dive in
0: <laughs> I'm wondering if this might be one of your choices too but my number one favorite song love this song so much it has waffled a little bit between this one and another one but like can't not choose August so,
1: air. Air. Oh, I love that song. No, that's, I, that's, uh, I didn't. Okay. For the sake of like, knowing you were going to choose that hands down, I didn't put it in mine, but that's not to say like initial first listen. That was one of my ultimate, like, I was like, this is, this is top. This is top Taylor Swift. So I'm in agreement, but I did choose it for the sake of adding some meat to our pod but i agree it was stand out okay anyways yeah, tell so, us why it was stand out for you andy
0: thank you for asking um i love this song um first of all just like a surface level reason my birthday is in august so obviously it is a it is my birthday song from taylor swift so thank you ma'am this is what i was saying earlier like upon the first five listens like this was my favorite song and for months i was like august 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 and i have another one that i think for a while was speaking to me a lot as well but i over time august is just like far and away the standout track for me on folklore and probably would have been my choice for the lead single like especially if she had waited a week and dropped it like august 1st or something because it came out july 24th because i think it would have gone so hard and like shot to the top of the ch- the charts and I think so I saw something on Instagram that was like there's forest folklore girlies and there's water folklore girlies and I am a water folklore girly I am like coastal grandmother on the beach I am wrapped in my little cardigan I'm walking down the beach in my linen pants feeling the breeze in my hair on the weekend clam bake yeah, clambake, right? Uh, Nikki and our <laughs> friends, every time I show up dressed anywhere, they're like, she's giving clambake because I love linen. I love stripes. Once Coastal Grandmother became an aesthetic on TikTok, I was like, this is what I've been dressing my entire life. So I'm always <laughs> giving clambake and August is also giving clambake. It sounds like sunshine, like hitting your face when you are sitting on the beach and like, some standout lines from the song. I love your back beneath the sun, wishing I could write my name on it. Like I'm just picturing sitting on the beach with a handsome man and he's like leaning forward and you're just watching like the sun hit his freckles on his back. Like very specific, but like this song takes me there, you know, and also like the iconic line canceled my plans just in case you call like who hasn't Mm. done that for a mediocre man like I Uh, have and so (laughs) mediocre and like you're just waiting around you're like oh sorry like I'm you know I'm saying to your friends you're like I don't know I'm just gonna chill tonight but hoping this man will call you and want to come over who hasn't done that iconic also (laughs) meet me behind the mall so good like I just love this song and it it freaking builds like once you get to that bridge that's like remember when I I pulled up I know me too (laughs) when you're like remember when I pulled up and said get in the car and canceled my plans just in case you call it's so good and like I'm sorry I don't have a more like nuanced critique the only thing I can say about this song is I have a playlist that is titled songs I want injected into my veins and it has three songs on it and they are Silk Chiffon by Muna and Phoebe Bridgers august by taylor swift and cruel summer by taylor swift <laughs> <laughs> and that's all you need to know is i just i want this song injected into my bloodstream and i want to feel it all at all times it gives me so much serotonin the the lyrics are so good it is so wistful it's sexy you're twisted in bed sheets like mm. sipped away like a bottle of wine and it, august has it, uh. always i know i'm sorry i'm still going but like august has always been my favorite month of the year because i i love summer i'm a big summer girly and august has always had that kind of like end of summer warm but melancholy feeling where you're like trying to soak Mm -hmm. up the last Mm -hmm. bits of it and also it's my birthday so like i've always been partial to august but it gives me everything i need and i i don't have anything bad to say about this song like i just i just love it that's all i can say about it but
1: what about you nikki (laughs) Well, how do you feel about August? Oh my god! Because I, mean, I- I'm, I'm not, yeah, <laughs> I'm not you. You you articulated my feelings perfectly because I'm a summer girly California girl, like 100. I have been, I have been Augustine, the character that is represented in this song. This is one of our corners of the love triangle, as previously mentioned in this album. Also, just think this is a very strong song melodically but also like the production of the song is is incredibly beautiful the strings used because obviously like taylor's a lyrical queen this is great evidence of the balance between pop and kind of folk like indie folk that is this album it's totally it's a perfect balance and i think it's one of the most poppy songs on this album so it makes so much sense to why it is a fan favorite and one of my favorites Personally, I think it also has a uh, best ly- lyric potential in here too for <gasps> me, which shit. is back when we were still changing for the better. Wanting was enough for me; it was enough. That, wanting was enough. Say it again well, for the people for in the me, back. For me, like back when we were still changing for the better, like it carries this nostalgic punch of like we're not there now. We're not in that phase of life where you're still learning and growing and becoming you're becoming yourself and you're making mistakes but you're ultimately like the goal right is you're learning from your mistakes and you're changing for the better you're becoming a better smarter adult so i'm doing air quotes adult so to speak i love that nostalgic outlook like back when we were when we still had potential to be A a real couple when we saw the potential to be our best selves in this relationship, this this love affair that she's speaking of, where they weren't official but they were clearly getting down and dirty, and like there was something there for her, there was something more there that wasn't just physical, that was real, that was very real for for the author of the song, for Augustine, so to speak, in in this love triangle. And I love how there's a sadness there. This is not like happy song like this is even though it it gives the feeling of nostalgia and like whimsy and it does make me feel very happy when you look at the lyrics it's just it this is a longing sad song like this is a sad story of a girl getting all of her putting all of her hopes into this mediocre man like you were saying and then just getting left behind you know when he goes to school and just forgotten it's so sad to think about it like that
0: and i think too it's important to note like taylor says in the long pond sessions which is a wonderful movie on disney plus if nobody has seen it but taylor says like this is the corner of the love triangle that's like quote unquote air quotes the other woman and because like we'll talk more i'm sure about the love triangle as we get further into it but cardigan is the like girlfriend's point of view betty is the boyfriend's point of view and then august is the other woman um and taylor says come a long way it's since better than revenge and again i love better than revenge because i think it is everyone's been mean like that when they were 17 years old and like it's a it's a very much a learning experience to like blame the other woman when your boyfriend cheats on you but taylor herself says in the long pond studio sessions that There is no such thing as the other woman. Like, she's actually somebody who, you know, felt all these things for him, and then she got played. And that's not her fault. That's his fault for being careless with her feelings and with Betty's feelings. I think that shows a lot of growth for Taylor. And so, like, we can't hate Augustine. She's just, she thought she was in love. She
1: she thought she was in love. And she got played. And she was in love. She was, you know? It's not even, she thought, like, she was falling for this man, and he- Mediocre man. He done left her. He done left her what an ass Ugh, he didn't deserve either of them but no. i also
0: the last thing i'll say about august before we move forward is i also it's so epic in the Eras tour like i was hoping and praying that august would be featured in the folklore set of the Eras tour and indeed it was and it just makes me want to have chiffon wings attached to me at all times so that i can swing them around and they can flutter in the breeze and i can be witchy and like a folklorian fairy and I just have nothing else to say because I love it so much. August is my favorite song on folklore and for all the reasons I stated above and thank you for coming to my Ted talk.
1: <laughs> all right, Nick, what's your choice? Okay, so for standout songs, one of my in no particular order. No particular order? Well, I want to make it interesting for the listeners, you know. So okay, people on their fine, pose, fine. you know, fine, fine, I don't fine, want fine, to be fine. too predictable. Okay. Um one of my standout songs was none other than exile taylor swift's first collaboration with the famous bonnie bear we have discussed in our evermore deep dive their other collab i was so happy to see him featured on that album on ever the evermore the title track and we did kind of get into debate song for song but speaking individually towards exile my god this song just absolutely wrecked me first of all it starts with bonnie bear which i think is such a smart choice because you're just like oh his deep voice and just i like i almost don't even have the words to describe what i want to say here but there's a husk and a pain in his voice whenever he sings right like all of his songs are just devastating you hear him start this song off and I just feel like you just, it builds so beautifully. And it's just two people, lyrically speaking, uh, who were in a relationship together and now are like seeing each other for the first time. They're feeling all of these feelings come up from when they were in this, you know, this relationship where clearly they could not communicate their needs to one another. Where this song goes, where this song takes us, the echoing back and forth in the, second half of this song where they are going back and forth (laughs) it just like i feel like you know that meme where they're like levitating or oh you know like in stranger things where i think that's the one where max is like you know being levitated and like having to listen to running up that hill like exile would be one of my songs just like the, I gave so many Oh my signs. God. Oh my god! August, one of mine. That's, that's your uh, version of songs you want injected into your bloodstream. the bridge, the bridge. So step right out. There is no amount of crying I could do for you all this time. We always walked yeah. a very thin line. You didn't even hear me out. It just, it's so good at capturing that feeling where you're like, I was, how'd you not tell that I was miserable, that I was hurting and... The other person's like, I, what are you talking about? Like I tried my best, I was doing all these things. It's just like two ships passing in the night, just totally not like in tune with each other, but clearly loved each other so deeply. And I think that's just such a universal feeling where most relationships end due to a lack of effective communication with one another, especially when you're young and you don't even have the language for over or vocabulary to describe your feelings. I think it's a privilege to be able to have that language to articulate and have that modeled for you too. When you're, when you're a kid, when you're young, you know, that's so much is due to like, that's a psychological thing, like parenting and your other influences in your life and the access you had to, even like mental health services, which most of us frankly didn't, um, or just like that safe space within your family unit or with your chosen family. And I think this song just is so relatable in that way because one of our other shows that we are big fans of is Normal People. And I could talk for ages about that. I won't, but quick sidebar, I feel like this song perfectly captures the relationship between the two main characters of that book and show. Oh my gosh, you've never said that to me before. Ever? No, but that
0: is so freaking true. Why didn't they use that in the show? Oh, because they didn't have it yet. Because that show came out in 2020. They (gasps) didn't have it. Oh my God. But
1: you know what's so funny, Andy, is that there are so many fan edits of Exile and Normal People on YouTube. There's one oh My really God. good one. I'll send it to you. at low-key slaps. Wait, it's like, that's this is so me to my accurate. Core. Yeah, That is I'll so true. Well, also,
0: because I'm realizing now so much has happened in the last three years and simultaneously mm. so little. But I think Normal People came out March 2020. What if Taylor watched it and thought about Exile? Just saying. I also want to read a clip that Taylor sent around to radio stations in August 2020 because um, she sent out a clip talking about Exile. Um, and she said, Exile is a song that was written about miscommunications and relationships. And in the case of this song, I imagine that the miscommunications ended the relationship. They led to the demise of this love, love affair. And now these two people are seeing each other out for the first time and they keep miscommunicating with each other they can't quite get on the same page they were never able to and even in their end even after they've broken up they're still not hearing each other so we imagine the beginning would be his side of the story the second verse hers and at the end would be the story of them talking over each other and not hearing each other we're really stoked about how it turned out because it really does seem to be about the tragedy of two people of two ships passing in the night that's so sad i know you just said the same thing as miss taylor's (laughs) would
1: oh my god Taylor and I are linked okay yeah that's so fucking sad holy shit that's
0: so sad like I'm imagining literally just like dark fog and two people just walking by each other because they can't even like look up and see each other that's so sad
1: I'm gonna put a quick personal anecdote like I've literally been in a situation like this where I am it's like years out of a relationship there's still so much like heat between my ex and I and we're like literally Yelling, crying at each other in the rain, just like not hearing each other. I mean, I think I was hearing, but you know, that's a, every. That's what everyone thinks in this type of situation, right? It's like I was thinking, I I understood what he wanted, and I just he didn't hear me. But no, actually, I I do feel like there was like, it's just like we weren't on the same page. And it's it's this song just makes me like p- throws me back to those streets, the rain, the situation I was in. It was so cinematic, and this song is like. Oh my God, that is just so, that is so it. That is so it. Going back to another male collaboration that Taylor has done that's in the same vein. Obviously she had the like Brendan Urie remix on um, me, which I don't even wanna talk about. Um, but uh, what was his name? Gary Lightbody or something for the last time.
0: I and knew you were gonna song, say that.
1: Yeah, it's that song actually has grown on me a lot, but yeah. ultimately I still don't love it. Like. I love the energy of it. I think it's really sad and beautiful, but this song is like my dream male collaboration that she could have ever done. It is peak like collab production, lyrics, the the way their voices go together, yet like stand apart in their own sense to perfectly mirror the message of the song. I love it.
0: This is the first time that we have a credit from a very mysterious William Bowery who, turned out to be joe alwyn taylor swift's ex-boyfriend and this is the first time that we've had a credit for her writing with a lover and um we didn't know who william bowery was we were pretty sure it was joe because bowery is an area in new york city apparently taylor and um, joe used to meet up at the bowery hotel and william is like his great grandfather who was a composer or something so people figured out pretty quickly it was joe they also googled william bowery and he did not exist so that was a big clue <laughs> but on folklore he is credited as a co-writer only on exile and betty but he is credited as a co-producer for exile betty my tears ricochet august this is me trying and Illicit affairs and then he also went on to um win an album of the year grammy for this album which is crazy mm-hmm. that that man hasn't of the year grammy but also grammy. Like, <laughs> go off i guess and on evermore he's credited as a co-writer on evermore the track champagne problems and coney island and then on Midnight's, he's credited as a co-writer on sweet nothing so when all is said and done he wrote a lot of songs with taylor but this was the first time we had seen taylor working with a very mysterious william bowery and she claims that she encountered joe Singing the first verse of Exile, like fully, firm, mm-hmm. fully formed, and was like, "Hey, let's work on this together. That's really interesting." And then they wrote it, and it turned out to feel really well suited for a duet. And then she went to Aaron Dusner and was like, "Um, who do you think we should call?" And he mm-hmm. suggested Boni Bear, and that's what she was hoping that he would say. But that was exciting too to have Taylor working with with a partner because that was the first time we had ever seen that
1: definitely and can i just quickly sidebar into the fact that like obviously the grammy awards for this year took place during covid where like all the celebs were separated mask the ceremony was outside it was a whole thing but like the fact that joe didn't even come is wild i think and he was also like it wasn't even like just to support her but he was a part of the album and the fact that he didn't come in hindsight i'm like that's so shitty i don't know like maybe that was her choice who knows i guess we don't know i don't want to presume like faults in him like that was probably something they agreed upon together i'm sure but i still think it reads like i don't know i don't like it i'm like you like you should also like he also deserved that like he did he deserved to be there and like Maybe he was back, maybe he was there, but like out of frame or whatever. But like, I also do think like he helped collaborate. He helped give us these songs. He should get some, obviously he has the Grammy Fiscal Award, but I don't know, I would have loved to have seen that moment between him and also the team that he like also worked with. Like he deserved to celebrate in that because he gave us some of these songs. And I don't know, I just, it hits me like, now, now that we know everything we know, now that we have You're Losing Me, now that we, have all this conjecture online about who's the right man for Taylor, which honestly it's bullshit, but like something about that does hit me funny. And I'm like, ah, well I might I that. offer a counter
0: argument that if Please he t- had gone, cause they had never been seen on a red carpet together or they had never like publicly made an appearance together. If he had gone, that would have been the story. And like, I think Taylor was really hopeful that she was going to win and mm i think she knew probably folklore was going to win album of the year and that's huge and we know our girl taylor loves accolades she loves awards as she should queen but i think she knew that if joe had been on the red carpet with her and been up there accepting the award the news would have been all about taylor swift's boyfriend shows up at the grammys as opposed to taylor swift won album of the year and unfortunately Mm that is the case and which is really sad because you think about like harry styles who won album of the year a couple years ago if he had showed up with a girlfriend he still would have had the coverage of like wow harry styles won album of the year and taylor swift's coverage would have been her boyfriend's here which like who the fuck cares when she's literally tied with like frank sinatra and stevie wonder as the winner of the most albums of the year so that's that's my take on that i think that they were trying to keep the attention on taylor rightfully so
1: yeah no that's that's very fair and that makes sense truthfully that yeah. does
0: but anyways it good cho- good choice in exile that's a great song and i know you love it so much
1: mm, it's so good it's so, so good, good. Uh...
0: moving on to my second uh standout song of folklore i am going to go with the seminal classic invisible string oh
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that song. That was on. Okay, that was on my list, but I also didn't choose it because, like, it's in my list technically, but I put something else instead because I knew you were gonna choose it, and yeah. I want to give us more songs. To talk I about, mean, so. <laughs> my
0: my favorite songs on folklore are like tried and true. You know what yeah. they are, and yeah. I, yeah, you and you definitely know if you know me at all what my number three pick is gonna be, but. Invisible String is one that also really spoke to me right off the bat. I love the melody of it. I think it sounds really romantic. It sounds like little, like, soft footsteps in a garden. Like, I just love the um, really light, kind of bouncy melody. And when, on like a personal note, when Folklore came out, I was like, I was in love. And I was like, going through my first, you know, love. And it was a little bit... um, Like, the way that we met was really kismet. It was really, like, um, kind of a crazy story of, like, feeling meant to be almost. And Invisible String really spoke to me at that point in time. Like, it just felt like I loved that idea of, like, being guided by this, like, single thread of gold and finding somebody. And I just thought it was Um, So sweet. And it's just like an idea that I really love. And I I love the image of people wrapped in like golden thread and tied together. I think that's really beautiful. And I just love it. And I love the subtle reference to Joe Jonas um, with the Now I Send Their Babies presents because it seems like Taylor sent Joe and Sophie a baby gift. And it's one that has aged really, really well for me. And I also it has it ties into a couple other songs in the album. Like when she references the three-year trip getting lunch down by the lakes the lakes is the bonus track and i feel like it just is a really lovely um through line if you will the through string if you will that runs through the entire album so gotta go
1: with invisible string it's such a good one that was what on my first listen invisible string i think was one of my favorite songs Same. it was like yeah. immediate like this is so good and the way also, the production of this song too, as you said, it sounds like you're like tiptoeing through a garden. Yes. The, the guitar licks in this song are incredible. Such a What is a melody. guitar lick? What's a lick? A on lick? A guitar? a guitar lick is like I shouldn't be saying this because I don't actually know, <laughs> but like I know. It's like a strumming pattern or like like a a set melody that you're like plucking out on the guitar.
0: Okay. Or like a,
1: a riff, like a vocal riff, you know? People yeah. are like, yeah, yeah. It's like that, but guitar when you're like, Got it. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. you know.
0: Because I've heard guitar lick a lot, like mm-hmm. Taylor referencing a guitar lick or um talking about mimicking John Mayer's guitar licks with Dear John. Mm-hmm. But I was like, mm-hmm. I don't really know what a what a lick is, but thank you for the introduction. Guitar
1: lick. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Happy to help. Invisible <laughs> um, string has always like it stayed in my top three the entire time that yeah. I've that folklore has been out, but I think for a while there in 2020 it was my number one in folklore because I was Mm. in love and now that I'm not it's like now I think it's settled at the number two spot but August has like overtaken it because it's one that I think just like speaks to me more in general and like I play it more in general but Invisible String just really throws me back to that time
1: yeah it's really beautiful song and what do you think about miss taylor swift removing invisible string from the Eras tour set list
0: thank you for asking i was hoping that you would ask me this mm-hmm. um i have so many thoughts because my feelings on it so just this is me hypothesizing i have no business hypothesizing about miss swift's life but i'm going to because we have a podcast about her and <laughs> i think when they started the Eras tour she and joe were sort of on shaky ground but like they were like, she's like, I'm gonna go do my first couple weeks, and then we're, I'll come back, we'll talk about it, and then she had a two-week break after, like, the first two weekends of the Ares tour, and she went back to England to film what we now know was the I Can See You music video, and after that, she, her two weeks off, where she was in the UK, th- then she came back, and the first show back, she had replaced Invisible Strain with The One. So my feeling is, like, in that two-week break, they were, like, officially done,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, I think it would—it would just was too painful to keep singing Invisible String. And I think what she swapped it out for is incredibly telling. Like, if she had swapped mm-hmm. it for, like, Peace or something, or, like, something else that was, like, lovey and um, sweet, then I think it would have been less, like, obvious. But, like, swapping mm-hmm. Invisible String for the one
1: yeah that's pretty that's that's pretty tough
0: but either either are really lovely like openers for the folklore act so like i would have been really stoked to see either live but obviously we went in la at the end of the tour so the one was our opener to the folklore set
1: yes i would have definitely preferred to see invisible string over the one but like i i agree with your take 100 percent both are like great songs to open that era with and i'd I'm so happy with the one I it's a it's a fabulous song as we've already discussed but again this album she could have played any song on this album and I would have been stoked <laughs> like yeah. I wish she could have just I really wish that there was a folklore tour and it was just mm-hmm. playing um, folklore I would I would splurge so hard for her tickets to that um but yes agreed completely it's fabulous TLDR invisible string is a bop a yep. romantic beautiful bop and yep. also just genius writing too like the i forget the literary tool that's you that I'm forgetting the name of the literary tool but where you state the adjective first so like cold was the steel of my axe to grind teal was the know, color it's, yeah, it's there's,
0: so I was the blood of my song and the cab. Yeah. So
1: good. That's so... Oh, I just had chills. Chills.
0: Oh, me too. And I also... I had chills thinking about the part where she says, um, time, wondrous time, give me the blues and then purple pink skies. And I... Yes. This album for me just immediately throws me back to summer 2020. I was living on Martha's Vineyard, one of my absolute favorite places in the world. And I remember listening to that song so much, like driving around. With the windows down like sunset and just seeing all these purple pink skies if you will and so i just feel like immediately overcome with that like every time i hear that part and it just Mm -hmm. it sounds like a sunrise it's so another song that i think sounds like a sunrise is call it what you want just like the opening Mm -hmm. um chords of that but like we will get there when we get to reputation (laughs) i have so much so much to say about reputation but um yeah invisible String. Big Sly, I love her so much. Over to your number two pick, I can't wait. I think I know what it's gonna uh, be.
1: So my number two pick for standout songs is, it's also was my second choice for underrated fave, um, which is none other than the song Peace. Oh, that's not what I thought you were uh, gonna say, but like, oh no, my gosh. it's not, Oh, it?
0: <laughs> no, it's not. That's not what I thought you were gonna say, but oh my goodness, what a great choice. Tell me why.
1: Oh my God, I'd be happy to. So y'all, the beginning of Peace is just a gorgeous bass lick. Now we all know the term lick. It's just a gorgeous bass melody. It's like, it's so simple, but it's what she does with the melody and lyrics. I have full body chills right now as I'm just like, (laughs) playing this song in my head. I'm not even kidding. Like, just and it's such a simple baseline too. Where to begin. So first of all, yeah, the, the simplicity of this song is what makes the lyrics in it really shine. I think that like, lyrically, this is one of Taylor's strongest songs, given like also just the message of this song, like, would it be enough if I can never give you peace? This whole song is, is Taylor's perspective of how large her life is, similar to Antihero, which more of our listeners probably know off the top of their head, um, how she's too big to hang out. She's like struggle. She said this in Miss Americana, too. She struggles with feeling too large to like exist, the the enormity of her life and her influence. And in this context, it's versus Antihero, where it's more just about her in life and navigating like people this song's about navigating a relationship with a lover who like is trying to you know have these intimate special shared moments and life built life together yet still has to navigate how constantly critiques they're going to be by the media by you know fans that privacy is going to be very hard to come by in any type of public setting like it's like saying goodbye to that to an extent uh, and it's so vulnerable. It's like you can tell she's like really has really felt this and continues to feel this with anyone she dates. Do you think she will ever perform it live? I, I, for, for Taylor, I'll say like this is not in the bucket of like soon you'll get better. Never play live situation, you know, like soon for listeners. Soon you'll get better as a song off of Lover that is about. Taylor's mother's journey with cancer wow. and it's a very heart-wrenching song. It's featured of the Dixie chicks or the chicks, formerly Dixie chicks. It's an instant tear jerker. I think she did say in an interview
0: that she was like, I just can't. Yeah. And, yeah. Like,
1: I mean, obviously maybe there's some time
0: that she could, but I highly doubt it. Like she barely, she could barely even play the best
1: day and that's like a happy song about her. Mom. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I don't think pieces in that like, I don't, I don't think we're never going to hear invisible shrink from her again. Do you know what I mean? I think it's just a matter of time and space from things, but also peace. I don't know. You know, that's kind of the sad thing that you get with an artist as big as Taylor is that when they're doing these giant stadium shows, it's, it's so much of like, what songs are going to carry
0: through the stadium,
1: through the stadium consistently every night. And peace is one that I, again, it's an underrated fave as well. Like, I think it's, a lot of people like die hard for peace, but I don't know if it would be like top choice for stadium wise, Um, but surprise song, it still has not been a surprise song. That's well, my concern about
0: her not playing peace live is just that like, she's not with the persons that she wrote that song about. And I think it's one of her most like intimate, specific love songs like i feel like it's very specific about like that relationship as opposed to like other songs like lover that could be you know obviously to her that's specific to a person but i think for other people it can be like like broadly applied to their lives but with peace like that's not a song that i relate to personally like it's a song that i think i listen to that and i think of taylor swift and joe Alwyn and
1: like her her Ooh. specific do you think of yourself yeah very much so really? because i've I think it's a song that like it, I mean, some of these lyrics too, it's like, I've never had the courage of my convictions. As long as danger's near, like that's, that's a relatable lyric, man. (laughs) Like I don't know. I I feel very connected to the song because it, I think it hits hard with the feelings of like being unlovable or being,
0: yeah, that's true. You know, when you,
1: when you're viewing yourself in your worst light of like, oh, I'm too loud. I'm too like, I'm too silly. I'm too whatever. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in my feels a lot, like whatever it is that you're saying about yourself. I think this song goes to, it it makes me feel like anytime I'm with someone and you have those doubts of like, am I, am I good enough? Am I like too much for this person or am I not Mm -hmm. enough for this person? Like, can I actually make them feel safe? Or even if like you also have a partner who's like more like anxiously attached to you or like less, you know, less secure in the relationship, and it's like, can I ever bring them peace? Like, is this ever going to work? Are we ever going to be able to like, be, you know, go go for the fences, like, oh, I know. hit the line together, blah blah blah. So I don't know. Yeah, I feel I feel connected to the song personally, but I I definitely see how it's yeah, Joe Joe, it's 100% Joe.
0: but I I feel like for me if I had written. A song not that I write songs but if I had written a song about a prior relationship we broke up and there was the line I give you my wild give you a child I would have a hard time ever performing that in front of people mm-hmm. because that would feel like such a loss I guess and I'm not project pretending that I know how Taylor Swift feels but I also just that's a heavy hitting line like when I heard that for the first time I was like Oh my god like taylor's a grown-up and like obviously she is she's 33 years old and she was 30 when this album came out but like that's serious relationship shit. and like she lost that you know so
1: i don't know i'm not we will ever get this one live this i mean but it's also could be applied to like i mean low-key travis kelsey's got a brother <laughs> like there's that's lyrics true. In here. like i think this this song can be applied to like anyone she's with or even in more of like a theoretical sense of like like to any partner that she's with yes there's obviously like little joe lyrics coded in there like it's very joe coded obviously but i do think that (laughs) i do think that once she has more space and now she's in this new relationship obviously she might still be grieving that relationship in some capacity i'm sure but i think i think we'll get it live as the surprise song at some point um i mean and i amazing can't wait and i'm so curious as to how she'll do it if she'll bring out Destner for that because it is kind of like i a... hope so or do it on piano that would be sick
0: oh i don't know how she i feel like if that. she did do it i think she would bring aaron Destner out because i feel like that would take some of the like eyes off of her per se because i feel like she'd maybe be thinking like all eyes are on her to see if like she gets choked up and stuff and
1: if she brings out aaron desner
0: that's a little bit
1: comforting and stuff too yeah maybe last thing i'll say about peace is that the also the lyric the rain is always going to come if you're standing with me and i think that also relates in this sense she's probably speaking more of like dramatic like paparazzi and media critiques and isolation you'll feel but like in a commoner and in a peasant sense um for myself it makes like i navigate a lot of like lows like just seasonal depression and 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 things and i'm i'm a very emotional gal and i feel like yeah it's it's one of those things where it's like yeah i'm not always gonna be miss party girl miss like hostess with the mostest and it's always smiling like i'm gonna have like waves of depression and like be in my feels and if you're going to be committed to me for a long time you're going to have to like know how to navigate that and weather that with me and as a, like a, a trusted partner blah, blah blah so i mean aaron desner himself said
0: in the um long pond studio sessions he said the same thing he's like i'm a difficult person to be in a relationship with because i have depression and i can be really hard to like stand by but i'm really grateful for the people in my life who like still want to like weather that rain per se which i think is just how self-aware and so so devastating exactly. but so i mean we'll talk about peace more later because yeah. i do have uh it does come up again later for me <gasps> you know, just, to, <laughs> just to lay a little easter egg so we will definitely come back to peace but i think that's a great choice and i am not surprised that you picked that because it is thank you it is so good so
1: bravo. Uh, well that said andy what is your third standout song from full <sighs>
0: Thank you for asking. So this one should be no surprise at all, but this song means everything to me and I'm going to have to go with The Last Great American Dynasty. <laughs> oh,
1: of course, of course.
0: I was like, wait, which song is she going to pick? Literally when we were seeing Eras the other night, we were with a friend who had not seen it and, like, isn't a Swifty, and I leaned over to her, like, right before The Last Great American Dynasty part, and I was like, this is the best part, because <laughs> I love that song <laughs> so much. And so cute. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. So uh, let me tell you why. So I Please. think it is just the perfect example of, like, Storyteller Taylor, for those of you who don't know, this song is about Rebecca Harkness, who is like a like an old money heiress who um, owned her house in Rhode Island before Taylor did. And the song is like, it's so Gatsby, it's painting a, p- a, p- a picture of like a pool party and all these like rich and famous people like playing cards and jumping in the pool and like, you know, breaking glass. And it's just like, it's such a Gatsby, like raucous kind of thing. But then at the same time, like, there's so many little fun tidbits, like, she stole his dog and died at Key Lime Green. And I just, as a coastal grandmother, this, again, is a is a water folklore girly song. And I just think it's beautiful storytelling. And it has my, one of my favorite Taylor, um, like, tricks is the twist of words at the end, where, like, the whole song, she's like, she had a marvelous time ruining everything, the loudest woman this town has ever seen. And she's talking about Rebecca. But at the very end, like during the bridge, she says, 50 years is a long time, holiday house set quietly on that beach, free of women with madness, their men in bad habits. And then it was bought by me. And so, like, she doesn't tell you at the beginning of the song that this is about her house in Rhode Island. And at the very end, the last two verses are the same kind of lyrics that she used with Rebecca at the beginning, but with me. And if I, if I never showed up, what could have been instead of if she never showed up? She had a marvelous time ruining everything turns into I had a marvelous time ruining everything. And I just love it so much. And it's just like, it's that the heiress tour. It I was like so freaking thrilled when that was on the set list because I just had, I thought I had no chance of being on the set list. And it's one that I have grown to love more and more over time. Like it was one maybe the first year that Folklore was out or like the first six months I was like I liked it but I wasn't just like obsessed with it and then it just something clicked and I was like oh my god I'm obsessed with this song and I have also been to Taylor's Beach in Rhode Island I have a sweater that says watch hill on it and it's like my most prized possession so I just I I live and die for this song I ride hard for it and tell me what you think Nikki tell me if you like it <laughs> Cause I love so, it. Yeah.
1: Yes. So I have to credit you for giving me new, like, fresh eyes with this song. Because truly, this was like—I mean, I agree 100%. The magic of the last bridge and and chorus, and like the end of the song—the genius songwriting—I mm-hmm. like. It still gives it gave me chills day one, and it still does. But it wasn't one that I would like really enjoy playing. I guess all the time. Like, I wouldn't skip it, but. I wouldn't be like oh i want to hear that song right now in the car or whatever i'd be like oh if i'm playing folklore to shuffle like i wouldn't mm-hmm. skip it I'd, I'd rock to it but i'm not gonna go like oh i need to hear that right now like you know what i mean yeah um unlike me who plays it <laughs> once a day at least yeah. <laughs> i freaking love that song
0: i would not be surprised if it made top 10 on my spotify wrapped this year even three and a half years after folklore came out
1: i wouldn't doubt that honestly i mean i would not nope. doubt that for you i love it no, i know how much I love you it. love this song um you enlightened me yes and i think and also like the Eros tour definitely helped i think push that song higher on my list i'm not gonna lie it's still low on the totem pole of folklore for me but that said again this is like this is like my favorite one of my favorite albums of all time so like, yes it's still the, like high up the high like, curve yeah that's a high a high curve curve so yeah i'm very grateful for like the memories we've made with this song like andy and i and a few friends earlier this year like drove around upstate new york we went to storm king and we're like traveling through beacon and we had a rented a car and you know some of our non-swifty friends were in the car and we're like <laughs> y'all we need to be playing folklore right now like this is like (laughs) the perfect situation like we can't like andy and i are restless like we're like we need this this album playing right now and
0: shout out to our friend chardon who is not a swifty she said specifically oh is that the cardigan album
1: and we were like yes it is the cardigan album (laughs) it is indeed she's not a swifty but she's a she does appreciate Taylor Swift which I, I love her she does she immensely. does we love you so, shout out Chardon. and I think it was so like playing that last great American dynasty as we were like driving around and was with all my buds and I'm sure that was my
0: insistence I was like play it again oh 100
1: yeah <laughs> can we actually cue that again <laughs> that's also the joy of being like different Swifties as Andy and I are is she i feel like we like we show each other new sides of different songs that we hadn't appreciated or like realized before lyric connections life connections and also just like what's better than seeing like something your friend loves and then like opening yourself up to that and letting that love in that is like the best thing of life the best thing of taylor swift songs i love it so yes last the last great american dynasty it's a bop and it's a bop it's yeah it's a bop It's certified bop
0: so yeah, I ride freaking hard for The Last Great American Dynasty, and it actually has, so I have a, a long list of lyrics that I was trying to decide between for the best lyric category, mm-hmm. and The Last Great American Dynasty has two on the list. They didn't end up being my choice, but they do have two, um, which is Blew Through the Money on the Boys and the Ballet, which I just think is so fun. What does blow Through the Money on the Boys mean? I don't even know, but I want to do it, and just the way she sings <laughs> it where she goes like, Where she's like boys it's so fun and i want to blow through my money on the boys and also there goes the loudest woman this town has ever seen i had a marvelous time ruining everything which is i think my instagram bio and i just i just love that i think that's such a fun um like thing to say and so those are two of my my alternates for best lyric which are from this song and i just i just love it so good just love it i i do also have a a category that i just i made just for folklore which is lyrics (laughs) that i don't get
1: oh
0: which i think could be fun i we haven't said any of the other ones yet but um i don't what does the last great american dynasty mean
1: like is it like a dynasty
0: what does that mean like american dynasty meaning like a rich family
1: yeah like a like a dynasty like well if i correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't rebecca harkness like involved with the kennedys in some way
0: i think so and she and like there's a there's a harkness studio at like the 92nd street why like a big like old new they were York big oil family. money they were
1: like old oil or something like a, a family dynasty like think like old american money which is also like not that old relatively to the world right. but like there are, especially on the East coast, like there are so many families that have like, that were like capitalist mofos back in the day and like started these giant corporations that became multi-million billion dollar industries. And those families have passed down their lineages, their lineage and riches down to their children, like year after year after year. And I think that's implying like an American dynasty is something along those lines and I don't know if uh, I don't recall off the top of my head, the ending of the story of Rebecca Harkness, but I'm pretty sure she like, she fucked with like the family's money and stuff. And like, again, Ooh. this song, like, she blew all the money on the boys in the, ballet. the, boys like, and she the was, ballet. She was like going crazy, throwing parties, you know, splurging on things. And I think tainted the name, like tainted the name of the dynasty. So it's like, there goes the the last great American dynasty. Like she, she, she blew it, you know, but like oh, well, okay. That's my interpretation of it but i don't okay
0: i've always been like i think that's what that means but i've never really known and there's a few other lyrics on folklore that i'm like what does that even mean and i'm excited to tell you what they are
1: yeah i I can't wait
0: (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) last great american dynasty big slay i want Mm. to be buried in that song and i want to just
1: drink it up i love Mm. it so much Mm. so what is your third standout song third standout is none other than my tears for Caché. I knew um, you were going to say that. Ugh, I mean, my name should not stayed. Oh. Okay, so this song was one of my also I mean, I say that about every song. Upon initial listen, this is my favorite song, but like actually this was <laughs> this was one of my, my sister loves this song. standouts because it's a slow build and also i love this song because it holds so much weight lyrically because upon first listen it sounds as though taylor is singing about an ex-lover that is like spiting her post breakup and like still trying to engage or like celebrating her failures or her struggles or like maybe ignorant of that and still engaging whatever there's more to be you know derived from from that but in Reality, it's a song about her music catalog and the the stolen album situation that has happened in her career. Which I mean, we've talked about this before in the pod. I won't get into it too deep, but how her entire music catalog was bought by none other than Scooter brown and how sad she is really about Scott Borshetta. Is that how you say his name, bruschetta I feel like it, bruschetta Like I'm thinking, like Borshetta. Scott Borshetta. Scott yeah. Borshetta um who was like you know her initial discovery he was the the guy who like founded her brought up her career and believed in her etc and participated in this selling of her um of her masters so it's really just like a sad ass song about her losing her music and oh, oh my god this also has some of my favorite lyrics off of the album too in this song so good. um I have
0: some some on my list are from this song too as well so I would I'm excited to see what you picked and, and I mean we can't even talk about how good it was at, at the era's tour it was like a standout of the entire show it was 100 so, so good
1: 100% I have chills just I literally just got chills again and like, I was oh.
0: shook when she put that on the set list like the first night I was trying not to know spoilers for the first like month. <laughs>
1: It didn't go super well. (laughs) It didn't go super well
0: for me. I was really trying not to know, but I I found out everything unfortunately. But um, I found that out the first night, and I was like, "My Tears Ricochet" is on the set list. I was shook, and after seeing it live at the Air's tour, I love it even more than I already did.
1: Just the way this song builds, like melodically, I think is so brilliant. The ooze the like, the production, like ooh, like ooh oh my god Mm -hmm. slay me they're so beautiful it's haunting it's chilling like you feel like you're at like a funeral vibe you know it's like sad she's like a
0: ghost yeah which i think is so crazy this actually this song did make my list of lyrics i don't understand
1: (laughs) Ooh, okay well let me let me walk through my top lyric first and then i want to know what your your um questions are but obviously the bridge in the song is on my list for best bridge I can go anywhere i want anywhere i want just not home oh because again this could be this could be implied obviously for her the reality of the situation that she's writing about like she can't go back to her record or her old record label like in that piece that she had there but also it's like if a scorned lover like when you're in that breakup you're like i can go literally anywhere i have free will i'm an adult i can go, you know, I can go to the store, I can see my friends, I can go take a big trip, but I can't go to the person that makes me feel like home. And I love the duality of that in how brilliantly she wrote the song so that it can apply to both things. Because I honestly didn't know for like a while that this song was about like the record label situation. But then what drew me to it was the lyric that so good. And when you can't sleep at night, you hear my stolen lullabies. Lay queen oh so good so literally referring to her stolen music and how she refers to them as lullabies like that image of the guilt that they must be feeling even if they're like they don't they're not cognizant of it they're they're aware that like they fucked up and they'll always be hearing taylor swift's music everywhere always it's giving you've got my past frozen behind
0: glass but i've got me from it's time to go exactly
1: same same exact sentiment and it's so good so good take a shot listeners
0: my best lyric from this song is if i'm dead to you why are you at the wake i have felt this hard and i won't say when and where but i have felt this hard where somebody says like they're done with you but then they're also just like weirdly lingering around and i just i i feel it and I will say this is one of those lyrics i don't understand which is just the title my tears ricochet what does that mean um i have a i have a definition from our friend faith hicks which shout out to faith we love you um i remember asking her this because she loves my tears Ricochet, ricochet so much and i said to her one time i was like i don't really know what that means like i what does it mean that they ricochet like how did she even think of that and i went back in our text and faith's direct quote was my tears ricochet I think means like her tears also ricochet off of them like what hurts her also hurts them your thought what do you think it means yeah
1: similar similar sentiment I I mean I think like the visual imagery of your tears falling and then like coming back to hurt you I think of it more less of like I do think the sentiment I mean it's clear in the lyrics that it's like this is painful for both parties even if one is proud and like not aware of the pain that they've inflicted they're still feeling they can't sleep at night because they're like guilt-ridden you know so i love that interpretation and i feel that too but i feel more of like it's central to her actually i don't know now that i'm thinking about i'm like that's actually i think that's on the nose the pain is just going back and forth back and forth like a boomerang between parties involved parties so yeah i think that's i think that's it and for me it was more so like just her own pain just coming back to hit her less about them you know more about like Mm -hmm. just her and how her sadness is like everywhere and all at once and then back and it's still with her it's always going to be lingering it's something that's never ending like when something ricochets it
0: comes back and hits you yeah
1: it just continues and continues until it comes back and hits you over and over again um but yeah, I think both both are true in this case.
0: I think I understand it now, but when this song first came out, it wasn't super high on my list, which I know is appalling because I just like I was like, I don't think I get it. Like it it didn't again like Peace. It was one of those songs that was I was like, I don't feel like it applies to me. Like I understood that it was about her masters and everything. Whereas now I think it's a song that applies to everything. It can apply to like a friendship breakup, a break-up yeah. breakup. Yeah. It can apply to like losing your job and you know, all kinds of things like that. And mm-hmm. it's one that I have found a lot of comfort in in the last couple of years. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I love that song. So I'm very glad that you picked it. I also think that this song is about Scott Borchetta, who was her former manager, mm-hmm. and Mad Woman is about Scooter Braun.
1: Yeah, that that tracks. That tracks. Yeah, that's I would agree. my thought. I, I,
0: that. I have no further notes on that, but that's yeah. just my interpretation. Anything else to add about My Tears Ricochet?
1: No, it's just a bop. It's an absolute bop. And I love doing the... Um, I will add one more thing in the heiress tour. She does this fabulous, like Mm -hmm. dance, so to speak, during Mm. Just Not Home. And it's become Uh. like part of the like Taylor Swift canon of, of like TikToks and on Twitter and whatever. And it's, she does this dramatic, she has these, like we've talked about before, these giant sleeves sleeves, and she like waves them in front of her face and then boom, drops down on the floor. And it's so powerful. It's so fun, and it's it's, it's so good. Just become like a an iconic moment of the the tour. Every time I listen to the song since the tour, I'm just like in my head, or even if I'm alone in my room, I'll, I'll be like, just not, just home. not, home. literally me.
0: Every time, like when we were sitting in the theater for the Ares tour, I was like waving my imaginary wings about, just pretending to be Miss Taylor Swift. And it's iconic. It's such a good song, and everybody around her is dressed in black and yeah. she's my favorite folklore dress is obviously the green because that's the best one but yes, like her so. in a brighter like fairy core dress and then everybody around her dressed in like glittery black it's mm, evoking so funeral good. it's giving ghost i love so it good uh it's so it's good witchy yeah love it oh, and we love, love, it. love it. witchy taylor we, love, we love love witchy taylor but great choice nick i love that
1: fabulous well let's keep it going then and Hit on our least favorite song from the album. <laughs> I'm scared. Um, do you want to go first? Oh, fuck, I don't know. I feel like we're gonna, this is going to be <laughs> heated. I'm like worried about this right oh, now. Oh, no. Are you going to hurt my feelings? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I think uh, I'm going to hurt
0: your feelings. So, Oh, oh God, I, know what, really, I know what
1: you're going to say. And I think I'm going to blow a fucking fuse. No, I, I don't think... <laughs> i don't even know i don't think you know i think i know what you're gonna do. i think i know okay. what you're gonna say okay can we okay. guess each other's
0: want... yeah oh god i think that'd um, be kind oh, of god. fun
1: okay okay fuck do you want to guess <laughs> <laughs> i i think i have two guesses for yours but i'm gonna just choose the one i think is your least favorite i think okay. your least favorite is hoax
0: what was your other guess Seven. Oh no i mean seven isn't high but seven is not last um, okay, so the, I was deciding between two for this one, and the two were hoax. I'm sorry, and Epiphany. I know, I know, I understand. It's kind of a companion track for Marjorie because this song, listeners, is about her grandfather who fought in the Battle of Guadalcanal in World War II, and or World War One. I, I don't know which one, but um, it parallels like fighting in a war to like nurses and doctors fighting the pandemic. The thing, even though all of that background is there, it just sounds like an interlude to me. Like, it's not enough song and there's not enough going on there. Whereas, like, you think about, like, Marjorie, which we can't even compare those two songs because, like, Marjorie is far and away so much better and so much, like, fuller of a song. But Epiphany, I just think it's just, like, there's not enough going on. And I don't skip it when I listen to the album because it serves as a nice, like, interlude. But I just, I would never just put it on. But it does have a a lyric in it that i absolutely love which is hold your hand through plastic now which is like for the pandemic wearing plastic gloves which i just think is such a beautiful visual and like so sad and heartbreaking to like touch the person you love but not actually be able to be like skin to skin i think that's so sad but hoax so i was deciding between epiphany and hoax and i love that line in epiphany so that was a like bonus points for epiphany but there is a line in hoax that i love more which is you know, it still hurts underneath my scars from where they pulled me apart. Um Because mm-hmm. I feel that I am, I, it's hard for me to get over things. I don't necessarily hold grudges, but I like deep hurt leaves scars. And it's something that like, I never fully get over. And just to be vulnerable, maybe we'll cut this out later, if I'm not in the mood to share it with people. I lost my job recently. And I definitely feel hurt. And I feel like there's like scars that are forming over with how this whole thing unfolded. And I got laid off and I just like I felt very wounded by the whole thing and I definitely still feel like pulled apart and like I'm gonna have scars from this whole experience and so for that reason hoax is not my choice hoax has bumped up a little bit because that line in particular is like exactly how I feel lately so my choice is epiphany because I if I were to cut one song I would have cut that but I also will say about hoax um I prefer the lakes as the ending to the album over hoax and hoax is the end of the like standard album and then the lakes is the bonus track but i prefer the lakes as the ending which i'm okay. sure we'll talk about later but
1: that's my pick is epiphany Ugh. so okay the epiphany was the one that i honestly forgot <laughs> in this moment i have it on my list but it's not like in the section of my notes i knew yeah that makes sense for you but epiphany i agree it's like it's low on the totem pole but i still think i I mean, this is part of why we're getting different Swifties. I respectfully disagree with your take of like enough song because I think some of the best songs are the simplest songs. And it's also like vibes, like music is is not always intended to just like throw a feeling at your face. Like sometimes it's like, it's there to underline a feeling or give you more room for interpretation just to like create a. a a feeling, you know, and I think epiphany does that so beautifully, like the music of that song. If you go back and just listen and like, focus even less on the lyrics and just on the, the, the feeling you get from the interlude, from the, from the ending of that song, like the, it sounds so not hollow in a negative sense, but it, it, it outlines this giant feeling of like loss of obviously like battlefields and that time of the pandemic of 2020 where you're feeling like so lost and there's all this shit happening in the world but like you're here in your room just like watching this all unfold online and you're feeling super isolated and all this tragedy is happening people are dying it's like these really big feelings and you don't really know like where you fit into all of this and you're dealing some people are dealing directly with that loss and it almost feels like a lucid dream like this. That's how I would describe the song. It's a dream song, like a very much epiphany, right? <laughs> like it yeah. feels like this, this dream, like trance state. And I think that song, oh, honestly, I, I'm talking myself into like loving this song so much more <laughs> than like my Spotify would you know would, uh, would show that I do yeah
0: <laughs> let's not forget when I also cut Labyrinth off of Midnight so like the interlude uh, for me fuck, I know yeah. I know I know I know I know so I just it's just not enough for me and I like I used to feel the same way about the Archer and before you rip my head off I absolutely love the Archer now but yes, I did God. feel that way Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> and what changed it for me was the live from Paris version because I felt like I was able to more focus on the lyrics and how powerful they were as opposed to the kind of dreamlike production because I don't like that as much because I feel like it kind of buries the lyrics a little bit um but yeah. I think I think we're always gonna feel differently about the dreamlike songs but yeah <laughs> Epiphany is my choice Can I guess what your choice is?
1: Please, yes, I'm so curious.
0: I'm looking at the whole track list of folklore right now and based on what I think would make me mad, I think you anticipate pissing me off. And so what I'm gonna guess is Betty.
1: No, no, not (gasps) at all, not at all. Oh my God,
0: wait, is it, please don't tell me it's The Last Great American Dynasty. No, it's not either. Oh my God, wait. (laughs) i don't know then
1: What it's is the it? lakes the lakes oh no
0: you can't even do that because it's not it's a bonus track
1: no i still can and it sucks oh. i hate the lakes Mm-mm. with no she has a lyric let me first before you before you blow up Everyone let me can't explain see me
0: right now my jaw is on the floor i, I don't hate it upset. obviously i don't
1: hate it oh. i'm being dramatic for the sake of the oh. pod but i yeah i this was like maybe this is cheating, but honestly the the full album I think is perfect. I wouldn't cut anything. So if I had to, it'd be the lakes because I, I appreciate it. Like when I hear it, I'm like, Oh, this is a nice song, but I don't know. It's just, it doesn't move me. I don't find, I I don't relate to it at all. Like it's, and it has one of the worst lyrics I think she's ever written, which is like, um, What does she say? Like a flower, a flower grew and with no one around to tweet it. I'm like, that's so lame.
0: Hunters (laughs) with cell phones. You, okay, this is a bad take. I'm sorry. Can Mm. I, can I sell you on the lakes?
1: Uh, You're not going to, you're not going to sell me, but I'll listen. Can I tell you why I love it?
0: Of course. I'm going to tell you why I love it. And my friend, Sarah is going to listen to this pod and she's going to be all up in your DMs because she loves this song so much. But, um. The lyric I love from this song the most is I want Auroras and sad prose. I want to watch Wisteria grow right over my bare feet because I haven't moved in years. Like
1: That's a great lyric. That's a great lyric.
0: It's a that's a great lyric. And I think The Lakes is the perfect ending to this album because it is literally all about like wandering into the forest, not being disturbed, running away from everything. And like she's been threatening to do that for years with like songs like The Lucky One or um, like peace or I don't know let me I know places like hiding and things like that and it's the perfect ending to folklore because as folklore progresses she's like wandering further and further into the forest and like in theory with the lakes being the end she's gone like she she decides she's gonna stay and the lakes is all about, running off with your love and like retreating from everything that pains you and I just think that's so beautiful like letting go of what doesn't serve you and just basking in all the stuff that does and like I just the metaphor that speaks to me that like I just why I love the lake so much is that at the end she just decides she's not turning around she's not coming back out of the woods and I like and obviously she does with like midnights and blah 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 I think it's the the most beautiful end of the album like it's like it's such a clear choice at the end that she's like gonna stay and she's gonna live in this like fantasy a little bit longer And I I love it. I can't believe you don't like it. That's so upsetting to me. Sorry. Oh my god. I I do
1: hear you though. I think it's I think it is a great thematic ending to the album. And and in some ways it is, right? It's like if she had to do a deluxe like bonus track, I think that was a great choice for it because it's kind of like a final thesis statement, so to speak. More so than if she would have kept it as a closer and then like added something else as a bonus track i don't think it would have had the same effect so i think she was on that theory on your theory of like that's the the closer of that folklore album era and yeah i I mean i feel like the the theme is beautiful like i i'm not i'm not hating on the thematic like interpretation of that song i think it's it's beautiful but it just is i'm just being just being real with y'all it's like it's a i listen to it and i'm not really I still like it, but I'm not like I don't skip it, but I'm not moved by it. I'm I'm not like that lyric you said like the Wisteria, like that is really beautiful. That's the my, probably my peak of that song. The tweet the fact that she mentions tweeting, it's again where these like we have these really beautiful mystical Taylor Swift songs from this era and she pops in a lyric that kind of throws you out of that visual like it I again I feel like we're back in like the 1700s, like witchy, like forest. I am I want to be taken to that place. And it's kind of also like a, a initial problem I had with the epiphany. I don't feel this way anymore. But at the time I was like, the hold my hand through plastic. Now, like it almost was too modern it's for too me to modern. like, yeah, like I, I'm like, I want to escape the reality, not like be reminded of it. But now I have, I hold space for that. And I think it's like, it serves as a really beautiful but like tragic reminder of that time but also can be applied to now too um but yeah i i think it's same with come back stronger than a 90s trend in will in willow like it takes you out of that mystical like fantasy world and it doesn't make me hate the songs at all like i don't love the like mo- i feel like she should choose a lane you know like stay in the forest or like go full on like modern day like give us more hints that you're not like in the past, I don't know, you know what I mean? It's just it, it, like something yeah. about it is like there's a dichotomy there that I'm not sold on that like kind of feels unsettling for me, l- lyrically speaking. But, but yeah, like, uh, I digress. I that's, respectfully, that's a crazy take. respectfully don't love that song, but I agree that it's a beautiful, like I see, I see the, the, the beauty of it, but I just don't personally hold that high in my heart.
0: I respect your take. but. I- <laughs> Andy and I, I respect it. you, but like, fuck you. I respect <laughs> you, but I also think your take is stupid and I don't agree,
1: so. <laughs> that's very
0: fair, that's very fair, you
1: know? That's gonna happen, that's go- that's bound to happen throughout our, our, our Taylor Swift journey, so. It is, uh, and I think you're wrong. But one <laughs> last thing I wanna say about
0: our least favorite songs before we move on. Um, what do you, this is under lyrics I don't get, and it's Ooh. from Hoax. Your Faithless Love's the only hoax I believe in. Because mm. that's that to me is a do- double negative, and I just have never been able to wrap my mind around it. Like faithless, but also love, but also it's a hoax. It, it's like a triple quadruple negative, and I've never understood that lyric.
1: So I was actually thinking about this lyric the other day, because what comes just before that is on my list of best lyrics, which is stood on the cliffside screaming, "Give <sighs> me a reason, your faithless so love the only hoax I believe in." So so sad. I. I feel like, and this might be wrong, but my interpretation of that is your, your faithless loves the only hooks I believe in is even if you're in love with someone like you, you're going to have bouts of like questioning of like, is this right? Are we doing the right thing? Like, should we still be together? Is this are we communicating effectively do we like what is our foundation solid and so that gives me like faithless like you can love someone wholeheartedly and and still just not carry like even just like a personal conviction and yourself i think is more so what she might be saying here of like i am i don't believe in anything but i i love you like i know that i love you but i don't know what's gonna happen and I love the idea of hoax and just like the, that word hoax is such a good word. Oh, like the, the X is excellent because love is a fucking hoax. Like it's like we, it's so, it's like so much of it is based on like biological, like hormone, like reactions and pheromones and circumstance and like just the way your mind is at the time you meet someone and obviously Mm -hmm. like the physical intimacy side of things and how that can play into the the strength of feelings and passions and and all that jazz um and i I think that like love is describing like love as a hoax is so tragic and so beautiful because it's like there's no kind of like there's like no winning in love you know what i mean because even if you end up like what is like, I don't, I don't believe in like a perfect partner or perfect partnership because it just doesn't exist because you're always going to be like, you will always be separate from your partner. Like you were two different people. Like you can never fully understand what someone else is thinking, how someone else is feeling, what they've lived through in their entire life before meeting you, how they were raised, like what their parents' biology and like genealogy passed mm-hmm. down to them. Like all these things influence who we are as humans. And like, no matter what, you're never going to fully be Able to completely understand anyone, and you will always have, like, and that is what leads love to be a hoax because so much of what we are told in media, in modern day, like lyrics and etc., is that love is like you can find your soulmate. You can find that perfect person. You can achieve this like ultimate goal of perfect partnership and love and romantic happiness and fulfillment. But like it, that's a hoax because that doesn't, that, that's an unattainable reality. And love is so much more nuanced and complicated and it takes so much work to uh, to have like a air quotes, successful partnership. And yeah, I love so I love that idea of like your faithless love. Yes, I don't know, I can't fully find my own personal conviction, but I'm still going to believe in this, this hoax anyway, because what would life be if you weren't like willing to forego all of all of that, like negativity, even though you know that it's going to be hard or it might not work still subscribing to that and saying like i'm still gonna believe in it anyway that's what i take from that that was a long ted talk version of hoax i fucking love that song so i know you do i know you (laughs) do and like taylor
0: said in the long pond sessions that hoax is one of those songs that like it's not about one thing which i think is why i have a hard time like understanding it which i think is maybe why i don't like it as much is because i just don't it doesn't feel like a very clear topic mm-hmm. and I and you know and Aaron Destner said like that's okay like I try it do the thing that makes you uncomfortable which is mm-hmm. like not simplifying a song yeah. and making it about more than one thing which I think is just like not typical for Taylor so maybe that's yeah. why I just like don't resonate with it as much but thank you so much for explaining that to me that is my whole list of lyrics I
1: don't understand
0: but <laughs> this is this is also a fun series we could do a whole yeah. episode of, on lyrics an... I don't understand
1: let us know listeners um, if you'd like to hear more of lyrics we don't understand
0: Yeah. Um, But anyways, we are going to stop it here because we're realizing that just with our standout songs and our cuts, this episode has become two hours. So (laughs) we are are going to make folklore into two parts, which we were anticipating before we started because we just love this album so much. And there's so much to say about it that we're going to stop it here for now. Mm -hmm. And then next week's episode is going to be our best lyrics, best bridge, our underrated favorites, our um our grades for this album and uh anything else that we we deem worthy to talk about with folklore but nikki it's been so fun talking to you about our favorite songs and our least favorite songs on folklore because we just love this album so much
1: what a blast it was i can't wait to dive in further oh i cannot wait thank you listeners for tuning in let us know if you agree with our hot takes what you're feeling so far in this episode and then what you're excited for in the coming episode
0: In part two, two. because folklore deserves a little extra due because she is, she deserves, she deserves, she deserves our respect, but I'll talk to you soon, Nikki. I love you. All right. Sounds good. I love you too. Bye.